You know, uh, back in 1986, this is, maybe you don't remember this, but there was a Wall Street banker, Wall Street trader named Ivan Bosky. And he was considered to be the darling of Wall Street, uh, wheeler dealer, multimillionaire. And he spoke before one of the major universities in our nation at the graduation. And what made it so interesting, Newsweek actually wrote an article in December of 1986 about his graduation speech because he said this. He said, I believe greed is healthy. He said, I like being greedy. I think it's good for people to be greedy. And he said, I don't think there's anything wrong with being greedy. And the Newsweek writer that wrote about this said what was amazing was that he got laughs and applause from the students. He said it was an unusual statement, to say the least, to promote greed. What really makes it interesting is that six months after he gave that speech, he was arrested for insider trading and paid the largest fine up to that point, $100 million fine for insider trading and went to prison. His greed had the final say-so. It wasn't quite as healthy as he thought it was. And you know, greed has been around a long time. Greed does not show up with money. Greed is a problem of the heart. And what's interesting is that as we're talking about parables, Jesus was in the midst of teaching in the book of Luke, chapter 12, and he was actually teaching about being willing to stand up and witness for Jesus, to declare the world about who he was. And in the middle of that teaching, a man interrupted him. It says he called out while Jesus was teaching. And he asked Jesus a question that had absolutely nothing to do with what he was teaching. And Jesus immediately recognized the man was filled with greed. Now, interestingly enough, rarely does a person believe they're filled with greed when they're greedy. They don't think that. They think that they're just getting ahead. They think they're trying to be successful. You know, they have all kinds of names for it. You usually don't want to name what is really there. And Jesus gave a parable. It's called the parable of the rich fool. Now, not to be just, uh, it's not the same thing as the rich young ruler. This is not that parable. This is the different, this is the rich fool. And he gives a parable that is so amazing. And again, a parable is a true story taken from real life, but it's used to illustrate a spiritual truth. And so what we want to do is we want to glean from that parable 
What does God want to say to us? And Jesus let go of everything he was teaching to tell this parable. He switched directions immediately because he sensed that God wanted him to give a parable. So I want to read with you this parable. It's in Luke chapter 12, verse 13. Then someone called from the crowd, Teacher, please tell my brother to divide our father's estate with me. They were having inheritance problems. Jesus replied, Friend, who made me a judge over you to decide such things as that? Then he said, Beware, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. What a true statement that is. Then he told them a story. So here's the parable. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. He said to himself, what should I do? I don't have room for all my crops. Then he said, I know, I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Then I'll have room enough to store all my wheat and other goods. And I'll sit back and say to myself, my friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now, take it easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, you will die this very night. Then, who will get everything you work for? Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. Powerful parable, teaching some amazing truths. And I want us to look at this. And I'm going to ask you to open your heart for just a moment and allow God to speak to you and say, Lord, does this apply to me? Are you trying to speak to me? Because I happen to believe that the Bible is timeless. He speaks something 2,000 years ago. It applies just as much today because the hearts of men have not changed. See, greed is not determined by, uh, you know, how much you own or what you own, it's determined by your heart. You can be poor and greedy and rich and greedy because it's the overwhelming desire for more and more. Somebody once asked J.D. Rockefeller, how much money did he really want to have? And he said, one dollar more. Never enough. One dollar more than he had right now. So let's look at the truths that Jesus was trying to say to us. The very first thing that I can see here, and that is remember where wealth comes from. You see, it wasn't just by chance that Jesus used the parable of a rich farmer. He had a lot of land, obviously. He had fertile ground. And if you're a farmer, you are so dependent upon God for everything you get. You have to have the right amount of rain. You have to have the right amount of sunshine. You have to have few insects. You have to have all kinds of things. It's all in God's hands. You do the work. 
But a farmer more than anybody knows that a good crop is based upon God's hand and his blessings. Jesus used a rich farmer because he wanted you to see that this man, this fool, he had forgotten where his wealth came from. He had forgotten that God was the one who had blessed him. He not only had a lot of land, not only did he have barns that were full, but he had a bountiful harvest coming in. Now, it's interesting because Jesus is not trying to tell us that there's something wrong with owning things. You know, it's not wrong or evil or sinful to be wealthy. I want you to understand that. Now, there is there is a kind of a teaching. I don't know if you call it a teaching, but there is this idea going on around America today that somehow to be rich is to be evil. And they're trying to bring in socialism or communism. You know, the only difference between communism and socialism, both take all your money. Socialism takes it by laws and regulation. Communism takes it by force. But the idea is still to steal the money from the people who have it and earn it and give it to the people who don't earn it. And it it has always been unsuccessful, no matter where it's tried. So you have to say, why in the world would people in America, why are there leaders that are pushing for socialism? Very simple. Because they are the ones who want to control all the wealth. They want social disorder. They want civil unrest so that it will come back to socialism. So the government then can control everything. And so we need to understand that Jesus was not saying that it's wrong to be wealthy. He is not saying it's wrong to acquire things. But it is wrong for your life to be consumed with that desire. It's the desire. It's not the things. It's the desire that, that is so sinful. Because what happens, and this is the real danger behind greed. It causes you to think that you can be independent from God. And that's where this man had come to the point. He believed he did not need God. He believed he had a lot. He believed he was going to get a lot more. And he believed that he was going to tear down those barns. The first time I read that, I thought, why not just keep those barns and build a bigger one? Why tear them down? But the point is, is that if he had a whole lot, I mean, just think about this. If he had a whole lot and his barns were filled and he's got a great crop coming in, help somebody. Be a blessing. You're already rich. You already have barns that are filled. Be a blessing for somebody. My goodness. But you see, that's the problem with greed. You don't think like that. You begin to think independent of God. I can do it on my own. You see what he told himself. He said, man, I've got it made. I'm going to sit back, build bigger barns, and I'm going to have enough that I'm going to be set for life. I'm going to eat, drink, and be merry. I'm going to have a great time. I don't need God. And that's the danger. 
And if you're sitting there, you're saying, man, I don't have enough money to be greedy. Don't fall into that trap. It has nothing to do with your bank account. It has everything to do with your heart and your motive behind what you do. And this morning, I believe the Spirit of the Lord wants to reach into our heart and ask us that question. What are your barns filled with? Are they filled with God? Are they filled with self? And this man, this rich fool, he was at a point in his life where he thought, oh man, I've got it made, I don't need anybody. And he forgot that his wealth had come from the Lord. You know, I want you to read with me Deuteronomy chapter 8. It clearly teaches us this. He just, he warns us this. He says in verse 11, but that is the time to be careful. Beware that in your plenty, you do not forget the Lord your God and disobey his commands, his regulation, decrees that I am giving you today. But when you become full and prosperous and have built fine homes to live in, and when your flocks and herds have become large and your silver and gold have multiplied along with everything else, be careful. There's a danger. Do not become proud at that time and forget the Lord your God who rescued you from slavery in the land of Egypt. Do not forget that he led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with its poisonous snakes and scorpions. And it was so hot and dry, he gave you water from the rock. He fed you with man in the wilderness, a food unknown to your ancestors. He did this to humble you and test you for your own good. He did all this so you would never say to yourself, I have achieved this wealth with my own strength and energy. Remember the Lord your God. He is the one who gives you the power to be successful. In order to fulfill the covenant, he confirmed to your ancestors with an oath. God is just being faithful to you. If you are blessed today, folks, he is being faithful to his covenant. He is being faithful to bless you because He loves you. And because you're in covenant by the precious blood of Jesus Christ, you're in a relationship with God, your Father, through the blood of Jesus Christ, and He wants to bless you. But He's he's saying to us, it's a warning. When everything is going great, don't forget the Lord your God. You know, there are times that... and, And, you know, we see this in church... Unfortunately, we see it. Their life falls apart. There's a crisis in their life. And man, every time the door, church doors open, they're there. They're crying out to God, oh Lord, help me, help me, help me, help me. I need help. Oh God, I, and they, they're, they're quick to tell God all the things they need God to do. And then the crisis is settled. And then life gets a little easier. You know what's interesting? They forget. They forget the God who rescued them. And then all of a sudden, church is not all that important anymore. And then on Sunday morning, I need to cut my grass. Or I need to go fishing. Or I need to do this. Or I need to do that. Other things become more important than God. And the warning is clear. 
when your life is doing well, don't forget it's the Lord who got you there. And believe me, God remembers. He remembers when you forsake him when things are doing well. The second thing I want us to see, and that is that wealth can quickly vanish. Oh, my goodness. And if anybody ought to know this, a farmer should know it. You can have bad crops, lightning, thunder, storms, floods, all kinds of pestilence can happen. Life can change overnight. And when Jesus used this parable and God spoke to this man who said he was going to eat, drink, and be merry, and he was set for life, he says, you fool. Don't you recognize, don't you realize, this night you're going to die. And it's almost as if to really get to him, he said, and who's going to get everything you stored up? (laughs) I mean, he was focused on his things. And so he said, who's going to get all your things? That probably really irritated him. What God is trying to remind us is that life changes so quickly. Some of you here in this room, you have undergone life-changing events and you weren't planning on that happening. Sometimes in a moment's notice, a phone call, a quick something happens and your whole life is turned upside down. God wants to remember. That's one of the lessons that he's trying to say here. This man forgot that God was his source, but he also forgot that life can change in a hurry. Wealth can vanish in an instant. Your family can be changed in a moment's notice. Life can just suddenly turn. Years ago, I can't even remember how many years ago, I'm going to say at least 20 years ago, um, I was in a prayer meeting at First Presbyterian Church and We had gotten some of the pastors in town to get together to pray. We were praying for revival. Um, Brother Dave Herbertson was the pastor at First Presbyterian Church. He was a great guy. And we had, I don't know, five or six pastors in the... We were in his office there on Barrow Street, and we were praying. And all of a sudden, my wife burst in the office crying, tears running down her face. And I knew it had to be serious if she's going to interrupt me in the middle of a prayer meeting. And she said, I went blind in my right eye. I can't see anything. Totally, totally blind. And she was weeping and crying. And so, uh, you know, of course, we prayed for her. And life changed overnight. In a moment's notice, life changed for us. We went to doctors and they said, oh, it's brain tumors. And somebody else said this and somebody else said that. They gave all kinds of diagnosis we went to a neurologist in, in uh, New Orleans, and after we left that guy's office, we, we looked at each other and said, we're never going back there. Oh, my goodness. He, he said all the negative things you could possibly imagine, all that could be. I don't want to hear everything it could be. I want to know what it was. But, you know, God, and this wasn't one of those things that, you know, just happened instantly. Two years God restored her eyesight over two years. 
All of that eyesight that was gone, she went from being blind to normal eyesight. But it took two years. And now, in retrospect, they said there was a virus. She had a virus of some kind, and that virus affected the optic nerve and just blocked it off. But just through time and prayer, God began to restore that. But our life changed overnight. You get a diagnosis of cancer. You get some word uh, about somebody in your family or your husband leaves or your wife leaves. You know, life can change in a moment's notice. And that's what God wants us to see here. He wasn't just a rich fool that forgot where his blessings came from. He was a rich fool who forgot that life can change overnight. And so I want us to learn that lesson. I want us to see this lesson. And... Make use and be a good steward of everything God has given you. Your marriage, be a good steward of your marriage. Men, love your wives. If you're a man, you say, how in the world do I do that? Sometimes we get a little confused. I remember when Mark Gunger, he did a marriage seminar here. And he said, I can tell you real simple, guys, how to love your wife. Be nice. (laughs) I thought that was pretty simple, but that's true. Just be nice. Stop being so mean. I know that's simplified, but there's a lot of truth to that. And greed... And money problems and the desire for more, more, more money can be a real problem in your marriage. And the problem of it is, it infects us like a disease. And then it begins to affect everything we do, everything we say. And it's like a disease that consumes us. And all of a sudden, we begin to make bad choices for our home and our family because of that greed. Men and women, put your family first. Put your family first before anything else. I get the question asked pretty often. Somebody will say, well, I had this job offer and I got this job offer and I can make more money here. But on this job, I'm going to spend more time with my family. What do you think I ought to do without a... In a heartbeat, I'm going to say, take the one where you can spend more time with your family. Take that one. Because what good is it going to be if you make more money and you lose your family? (laughs) Kind of a no-brainer, really. Put your family first. The third thing that I see here, we must be rich in our relationship with God. Think back to what he said at the very end of the parable. It's in verse 21. He said, yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not 
have a rich relationship with God. If you take things, but you don't have a rich relationship with God, you're making a bad choice. Number one priority has to be a rich relationship with God. And you can't get over-focused. I want to show you a couple of verses. It's in 1 Timothy chapter 6. The first passage in 1 Timothy, I want you to look at verse 17 through 19 in 1 Timothy chapter 6. It says, Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud, not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need. This rich young fool should have read this. Always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they'll be storing up their treasures as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. And back a few verses in chapter 6, in verse 6 through 10, it says this, Yes, True godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. After all, we brought nothing with us. And when we leave this world, your hearse will have no U-Haul. You ever seen a hearse in a funeral procession pulling a U-Haul? No. Because you ain't taking nothing with you. So, if we have enough food and clothing... Let's be content. But people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. He didn't say money was the root, the love of money. That's that desire. And some people craving money have wandered away from true faith and have pierced themselves with many sorrows. It's amazing how many times when you dig a little deeper, you'll find that the love of money was the real root of the problem. So the word is be careful. Make sure you have a rich relationship with God. Jesus gave us a passage in Mark chapter 8. I want us to read this. You've heard it before, but I want you to see this. It's Mark chapter 8, verse 34. It says, Then calling the crowd to join his disciples, he said, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take your cross, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you're going to lose it. But if you'll give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. And here's verse 36. Powerful word. And what do you benefit if you have all the toys in the world and you lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? You see, we live in a culture that is obsessed with getting more things. And better things. You have this thing. That's not good enough. You've got to get a better thing. And then as soon as it comes out with a new model, you've got to have a new model. 
of the same thing. Do you need it? Probably not. Why? Because we're obsessed as a culture. And Jesus told this parable so that it would be a timeless reminder to his people. Don't fall for this trap. What should you focus on? Focus on your relationship with God. You need to have a rich relationship with God. And if you'll do that, all this other take care of itself. Probably not a wrestling fan, but if you went back into 1950, there was a European champion in wrestling. It was big back in the 50s. His name was Yusuf the Turk. And the American champion was Strangler Lewis. They always have these weird names. So the European champion challenges the American champion to meet for the world championship. And Yusuf the Turk comes all the way to America and they had this big championship fight. Madison Square Garden, New York City. And Yusuf the Turk wins. And the prize... $5,000, which to them at that time, that's big money. But Yusuf the Turk demanded that he have his prize in gold. He said, I don't want any cash. I want gold. So they gave it to him in gold. And he got a big championship belt, and he fashioned a pouch behind his belt, and he put all his gold in his belt because he didn't trust anybody. And he figures somebody steal all his gold. So he gets on a ship heading back to Europe. Halfway across the Atlantic. The ship begins to founder. They begin to sink. They begin to load into lifeboats. And Yusuf the Turk takes a running jump to jump into the lifeboat. And what does he do? He misses. He hits the water. (laughs) All the way to the bottom, his golden anchor sunk him. His own greed. His own greed became his death warrant. Appropriate, because that's what will happen when greed fills you. I want to encourage you today. Consider what are your barns filled with? This man's barns were filled with himself and what he thought he had done in his own strength. Jesus says you need to fill it with God. A rich relationship with God. I'm going to ask you to bow your head just for a moment. Oh, Lord. How great is your name, oh, Lord. You alone are the one who has the words of life. 
You alone give us meaning and purpose. And Lord, all over this building, there are people in this room who have looked for and focused on the wrong thing. They sought out things. And they focused on money and things rather than you. And Lord, you have had me to teach on this parable because you want to speak to your people. And you want to speak to individuals who have the wrong priority of their life. And Lord, I pray that this morning people who do not have a relationship with you would once again say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I hear what you're saying to me, Lord. I want to put you first in my life. Today, God is speaking to individuals. Do you have that rich, personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ? If you don't have that, you've missed the point of life. If you're just going through life, trying to acquire more things, your life is empty and meaningless. Today, God would want you to put Him first. And hunger for that true relationship with Him. God is knocking on the door of some people's hearts this morning. Saying you need to put Him first in your life. You need to treasure that relationship with Him. I'm going to ask you if you would. To stand you mind standing just a moment the worship team is going to sing as they sing I'm just going to ask you if you would meet me down here at the front if you want that relationship with God you would look at your life and say you know I don't have that relationship that I need with God it's only through Jesus you need Jesus so would you come and let me pray with you so you can have that relationship with God. Anyone? We're going to sing. I believe we're going to sing, do it again. Would you come, anyone? You want that relationship with God. You know that's not right. You need to make that right. Anybody? Anyone? Yes. Thank you. Thank you, young man. There's some other people here that you need to get this relationship right. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for coming. Thank you. Thank you, young lady. Come on. Thank you, young man. Come on. Thank you for coming. This is your friend? Good. You came with him, didn't you? Hallelujah. Thank you all for coming. A young man, a sweetheart. Thank you. 
Anybody else? You want to make sure your relationship with God is right. It's only by faith in Jesus Christ. There's no other way. This is the time to make your relationship with God right through Jesus Christ. Okay, this is what we're going to do, guys. We're going to pray. We're going to pray. I'm going to pray with you. And I want you to pray after me and ask Jesus Christ to be the Lord of your life. And what happens? Jesus Christ comes to live inside of your heart. And the Bible says you are born again. And here's the amazing thing. When you come to God, when you come, when you came to church today, sin was in your life. When you pray, sin leaves your body. Leaves. You are forgiven. It cleans you. You know, one of those little etchy things we, where you just get that little thing and all everything goes away? Well, that's the way our life is. All your sin is forgiven and washed clean by the blood of Jesus. And then he puts his Holy Spirit in us so that he can help us to live a holy life. You with me? It's an amazing thing. Jesus calls it being born again. But it's making that relationship right. So I'm going to ask you to pray with me, okay? Okay. You all can join with us and pray with us. It's all right. Ready? You pray out loud. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus... I give my heart to you, Lord. I declare Jesus Christ as Lord of my life. I accept the blood of Jesus as the forgiveness for my sin. I cannot save myself. I look to you, Lord. Save me. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Put a new heart in me. And cause me to be born again. I will never be the same. I belong to you. You are Lord of my life. Thank you, Jesus, for living inside of me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Bless the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you all for coming. Thank you for coming. Hey, young man. Bless your heart. Thank you. And if you would, if you could take time, uh, this is Brother Freddie. He would like to just give you a Bible, a little bit of information, and get, get some information from you on a card. Praise God. May the Lord bless you. Y'all are dismissed in Jesus.